All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well. We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 34 of the Biohacker Babes. I'm Renee and I'm here with my sister, Lauren. Hey guys. <laughs> Today we have a friend and guest on the show, Melissa. So Melissa and I actually met in Vegas one year ago. We met through a mutual friend who's also a nutrition practitioner here in Vegas, and we met at a book signing for Diane Sanfilippo's Keto Cookbook. So how appropriate that that's where we met. And um, so she's another Vegas local, and she has a great experience that we're going to share with you all today. I'm not going to give away the details quite yet. So a quick background on Melissa. She is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, a biohacker and a passionate wellness educator and devoted mother. 
Melissa grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and currently lives with her fiance and their four-year-old son in Las Vegas, Nevada. In 2017, Melissa was diagnosed with PTSD and depression. She was treated with a common SSRI. With a background in ancestral nutrition, Melissa knew that she wanted to take a more holistic and alternative approach to her mental health. With the support of her family, she worked with her doctor and dedicated the following two years of her life doing just that. Melissa has had an incredible journey and experimented with biohacking. I mean, I instantly connected with her because I was like, oh, she's she's definitely a biohacker. This is awesome. So we can't wait to dive in and uh, learn more. So welcome, Melissa. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. This is super exciting. Super cool. Awesome. We're so happy to have you. Yeah, I'm definitely honored to be here. So um, cool. Let's jump in. Um, yeah, I so I kind of like have built it up as to what we're going to be talking about. Do you want to maybe like in one sentence kind of reveal that for everyone? Sure. I, I definitely want to speak to my experience with microdosing psilocybin and weaning myself off of my SSRI or better known as antidepressant um, for my mental health and in conjunction with my nutritional approach to wellness, which was, you know, the ketogenic lifestyle for me. So yeah, going into that, basically with a little bit of background as far as where I got, how I got here. Um, It really did start about nine years ago when I met my fiance. Um, I was living a pretty fast, crazy lifestyle, just drinking, partying. I think I smoked like a pack a day. I was wild and insane. Um, But I knew that immediately after meeting him, I was going to just clean up my act. Um, So that was step one. That led me down a very long journey of figuring out what is healthy. I very quickly got sucked into the propaganda of becoming a vegan. That was done and done. I became an ethical, nutritional vegan. I couldn't stop talking about it, boasting about it. Um, And about, I would say, a year after becoming a vegan, I got sick. I started having nutritional deficiencies. I believe I had a vitamin K2 deficiency. I lost two teeth and had to get implants. So I had had a nutritional decline quickly. I moved on to quickly to a bodybuilder diet, actually. Um, So another just low fat, high caloric intake. I was doing insanity uh, before that. So then I started, you know, obviously introducing the meat back in. So I think for, I don't know, a year and a half, I ate chicken, brown rice, and vegetables. You know, the same old, same old. Yeah. Um, I did feel better for a while, just like I did when I started the vegan diet, because I cut drinking and I cut smoking and I did all of that very quickly. So yeah, that's where my health kind of journey began. And then I went from basically vegan to bodybuilder to adding a little bit of carbs to then going paleo, which I did really well at. Unfortunately, with paleo, I was just found myself in a place where I was eating too high carbs, too much sugar. So now we're talking about serious blood sugar imbalances, um, problems with mood, stabilization, all kinds of issues that I was seeing. I had my son. I got pregnant with my son. I gained exorbitant amount of weight with him um, because when I got pregnant with him, I was so lean from bodybuilding. Um, I was so lean that I'm surprised I was able to get pregnant. Uh, I, my hormones were insane. I gained a lot of weight. And then shortly after having him, I 
experienced postpartum anxiety. And with my my background in mental health, I'd, I've always experienced anxiety. At 24, I was diagnosed with panic disorder. So there were times where I was breathing in a, a bag, lots of, lots of panic attacks, daily panic attacks, and in, myself in the hospital. So it's, it wasn't a stranger to me. However, postpartum anxiety was definitely different. This was almost daily crippling fear that something terrible was going to happen to my child. So very, very scary. I saw a therapist once and was like, this, this isn't really doing anything. Like I, I immediately just felt like this is wrong. This is the wrong path for me. Um, I did get better or get better. I should say my symptoms decreased for a little while. Then suddenly it feels like suddenly I had a, basically a psychotic break. Just one day, I was very depressed, very, very depressed, suicidal um, thoughts, which I had never had in my entire life. I'm generally a really happy person. I love life. I love my family. I have great friends. Um, but I fell into a deep depression very quickly, and I had PTSD symptoms. So a very brief history on just the trauma that led me to PTSD. I had experienced sexual abuse as a child. And for my entire adult life, I always knew that, that those things happened, but never remembered them. So I, I suppose suppressed memories. And some of those memories started coming in as flashes, almost like you would see in a movie, um, but it would be more like flashes of a t-shirt or um, flashes of what was playing on TV, but not the actual acts uh, of anything itself. So just very terrifying for me, not knowing what was going on. And at the time, I had a very young son. And that this is a really scary space to be in when you're thinking about possibly hurting yourself. Because my mind goes immediately to, well, is this what happens when people hurt their child? Like what, who knows when you're in this space of psychotic break, PTSD, you hear people doing terrible things. So I did reach out to three people. Um, I reached out and got, you know, just some accountability. Like, please hold me accountable to go see a doctor. I did within a week and immediately was put on an SSRI. Now, my fiance and I, we discussed it. I knew right then that this is just not what I wanted to do. I had been on one, you know, when I got diagnosed a long time ago um, for panic attacks. Um, and I did not like the feeling. It was very numbing. I didn't feel much of anything. I was going through life feeling nothing. Um, so I knew right away, this is not what I was going to do. I was very passionate about nutrition. I've been on this journey at this point for, I don't know, seven, six, seven years looking for what was healthy. And I, I felt like, okay, I made a deal with him. If I could figure out how to get myself healthy, we would talk about weaning off. Um, so that's what I did. I basically threw every therapy that I could at myself, including nutritional therapy everything that I knew about nutrition and learned as much as I could. So I was knee deep all the time trying to figure out what that path was for me. I decided to take myself into therapeutic ketosis for a year. I quit drinking. Not that I drank a lot, but I just quit all alcohol. Um, at the time, I was... I don't know, miraculously, I found the holistic psychologist. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but I found her on Instagram at the time. I think she only had about 20,000 followers. And there was just something about her that really spoke to me. She, the way she uh, handled 
treatment or healing. You know, she really was teaching people how to self-heal. I drafted an email to her, like, please take me on in as a client. Um, within a couple of days, she posted something that she had an opening. So I had already had that in my draft and I sent it to her. And within minutes, she responded. And just all of a sudden, I was a client of hers. And I was really, really excited to be on that path with her. And this was different. This therapy was different because she was teaching me the tools to help myself. Um, meanwhile, um, I'm doing other things like breath work, meditation, float therapy, talk therapy, cold exposure, red light therapy, infrared sauna. I make sure I'm getting enough water. I'm making sure that my serotonin levels are are being, you know, are where they need to be with my diet. I'm I'm taking probiotics, doing everything that every podcast is telling me to do, right? I'm just knee deep in this. I'm biohacking. I'm going to get blood work done. I'm just throwing myself full deep in this. Like, okay, okay, holistic world, what do you have for me? And I would say about six, seven months into this, I did start feeling better. Like I probably immediately started feeling better because once you get what sunshine and some basic nutritional um, deficiencies met, you're going to feel better. So I did immediately start feeling better. And then that, you know, that progressed for me, my healing progressed. At some point during this, I really kind of got into a little bit of research in microdosing. And I knew, okay, I'm going to do this. Just, it was, it was a gut innate thing. This is happening. I did enough research on it to know that I was being safe, that I wasn't going to hurt myself and that I sourced the mushrooms, you know, from a reliable place. You know, that's the biggest thing is you're not taking some random thing. I did enough research to put me there. But I didn't want to get too involved in researching and affecting the placebo effect even more, right? Like I didn't want to buy into or drink the Kool-Aid, right? Everyone talks so great about it. I didn't put myself in this Tim Ferriss bubble, uh, Joe Rogan of my protocene is the cure-all. I wanted to just have my own my own experience. And so that's what I did. And I've had such an incredible journey, like all your biohacking, I mean, just from if you think back to just like going to a vegan diet, I mean, how much you've been through and changed. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's actually the hardest. I think that is actually the hardest thing for people. But for me, it's super easy. Once I get my mind set on something, it's just, this is what I'm going to do. Um, nothing's going to get in my way. And I hope you're along for the ride. Cause like, I'm just going to do it. Right. Like when I was bodybuilding, it was okay. I want to do, I want to do a show and I'm going to figure out how to how to do it. And if that means, yeah. you know, at four o'clock in the morning every day, that's what I'm going to do. And this is, I'm all in, right. I'm all in. The problem with that is I was never, uh, there was no checks and balances. I was never questioning what I was doing. You know, I decided mm -hmm. to go and get my physical trainer license because I wanted to learn more about what I was doing in my body, but I wasn't questioning like, Hey, is throwing this weight around doing this is, is just eating chicken all day, every day hurting me. So that's been, I mean, I guess one of the biggest things I've learned along the way is just question everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. To an extent, right? Like we have to always be trying to prove ourselves wrong. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I think it's kind of like, if you're not, then you're, you're, I don't know, you're buying into a belief system and it becomes an ideology. You're, you're doing something different and that's, I just never want to be in that space again. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. We talk about that on the show a lot, just using discernment and being able to use your own research and experiment yourself 
because you have to find the answers within yourself. So Right. And like everything I'm talking here is just anecdotal. I, for me and my practice, my friends, my family, I just ask people to go research themselves. You know, a lot of people come to me for advice and questions and I'm happy to give, but I'm also just like, you don't trust me. Don't trust anything I say. Go look it up. I mean, every yeah. day yeah. here, any statistics I give here, I'll give you, uh, you know, in the show notes, show notes, you can put, you know, the studies that I reference. But for me, it's don't trust me. I did that. You know, I had a very trusted friend come over who I, I love dearly and still do, uh, admired. And he showed me a movie. He showed me a movie, a very emotional works over knives. And that was it. I was all in. It didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is it. I drank that Kool-Aid. So oh, yeah. <laughs> Movies are very convincing. That is okay because you formed your own opinion. You didn't take that from someone else. I mean, that's so powerful. Giving someone an article, giving them a YouTube video to watch. Created a a very critical mindset for me. You know, I, as much as I believe in the experience of microdosing uh, psychedelics, I'm still like, okay, so what's, what's the dark side, right? Like if, if there's a good side, there's always a dark side. I've seen that movie. So yeah. There are risks involved and as much as I know personally, I want to just look at the good things. I just want to hear about what's the positive I can get from this, right? But it's important that we look at the risks because there is no, there is no free lunch. Is that what the the quote is? There's no no free lunch. Everything that we do has a, as a counter, right? As a counter effect. And the best thing that we can do really is find out what that is and supplement accordingly. Yeah. Well, we should talk about that. I mean, we definitely want to talk about, you know, the debate, what's the downside, but before we do that, I would love to hear more about the upside. I mean, you obviously experienced some great things and leading up to this podcast, I did a lot of research. I mean, there's definitely good research about like, you know, PTSD, anxiety, yeah, there's um, OCD with obsessive compulsive disorder, which kind of like shot out at me because I've had OCD my whole life, you know? Um, And the one thing really great to point out about that is just um, all of these depression, anxiety, OCD, all of these, these diagnoses that the DSM has created, they're all subjective to your doctor. They're all within Mm -hmm. very slight variations of each other. Um, So it's important that we just kind of always keep that in perspective. Um, I really like to talk a lot about just not, not becoming your diagnosis, not, you know, identifying with, I have depression or I have anxiety. So now I'm an anxious person and using mm-hmm. that as kind of a crutch almost because, well, I have It's this. crippling. It is. And yeah. I think that societally, like society has done such a great job of destigmatizing, I think, mental illness, mm-hmm. but almost to our own detriment. Because now it's kind of become this, it's not your fault. You have anxiety and everyone has anxiety. It's just normal for everyone to have anxiety. (laughs) Not your fault has turned into, you have no control. Right. It's not empowering. Right. That's not the case. We do have control. And um, the space that I'm in right now is really just learning how much control we do have um, over our mental illness. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know if I answered your question. I kind of can go off on a tangent. Yeah. No, I just want to say one more thing about that. Like, you're right. You're both right about that. Like, people are posting, I think, almost oversharing on social media because because it's so normal now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's celebrated, right? You come out and say, I have 
I know I did. I came out and I said PTSD and um, from sexual abuse. And it what I was definitely called self-serving to my face by a friend, which was mm. really wow. upsetting. But also, you know, it's true. So a part of that. Yeah, like a wake-up call. Yeah, it's a part of that is true. It's like, listen, this there we have to we have to be mindful of what's happening and take some kind of responsibility for our own health, right? We we have to take that responsibility and say, okay, what is going on in my body maybe that's causing me to have depression? Do I have inflammation? Do I have chronic inflammation? Am I taking a probiotic? Am I eating healthy foods? I mean, there's randomized controlled trials right now with gluten to show that gluten's causing depression. So I think there are a lot of questions that we do need to be asking ourselves. It's no, it's not your fault, but do you have control? And I think that's yeah. that's something I think that's a space that needs more highlighting. And it's it's yeah. a delicate space, right? Because I probably just pissed off a ton of people <laughs> by saying that. And it's not to yeah. say I've dealt with these things. My mom is bipolar. I've dealt with mental illness my whole life. It's just it's time that we change the conversation a little bit because we're not people aren't getting better. People yeah. are, there's more people drugged now than ever before and nobody's mm-hmm. getting better. People are not getting better from taking SSRIs. It's just, it's not. In fact, you know, the reverse can be said. It's people are getting worse and they can be dangerous. I think prescription drugs are like the third leading cause of death behind disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no one wants to talk about that. No, and nobody wants to talk about how there's no testing. You're as, you go into a doctor and... I think 75% of SSRIs, antidepressants, are actually prescribed by a primary physician, not even a psychiatrist, mm. and over a 10-minute discussion. Yeah, they're so easy to acquire. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And nobody's testing your liver enzymes to see if you can even metabolize that. And that's oh, very yeah. dangerous because there are people who have committed homicide, and those cases are of their family members, their children. There's a man that strangled his son to death after two weeks of an SSRI and they were able to prove that he was intoxicated from his SSRI and was let free from that. And what a, what a obviously tragic story, but it just goes to show something like microdosing is so vilified, right? Like it's so crazy to take a mushroom, but to take a, a drug that has biochemical effect on you that you have no idea. It's just Russian roulette, right? You have no idea. Is it going to work? There's no testing. Nobody tested you for depression. Nobody tested your body to see, you know, what's going to happen to you biochemically. Nothing. So it's just, it's a scary, it's a really scary space. I think that SSRIs, the the benefit of them is really amplified and the risks are just suppressed and kind of the other way around with mushrooms. So anyways, uh, microdosing. (laughs) I just want to jump in. Like, I think that really, again, speaks to the personalization of health. Like we need to personalize. And I I wonder if down the road, there's going to be more information and testing about using psychedelics, like making sure they they work with your biology. I mean, totally. yeah, yeah, there are risks. I think that's real. Like in the 1960s, when like they started to get a bad reputation, like that wasn't for no good reason. I think there's a, a crazy amount of benefits from it, but we do have to like look at the individual always. Yeah. I think there's going to be more and more information about that. Yeah. And in the sixties, it's important to point out that a lot of people were just, you know, they were taking crazy amounts of drugs and partying 
And what I'm talking about when I talk about microdosing or when people are talking about taking full doses of psychedelics in a therapeutic setting, this is done with intention. This is mm-hmm. very different than I'm going to go take a party drug and go to Burning Man, right? Like there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want to do, you know, right on, that's your thing. But what I'm talking about is a real intention setting. <laughs> I just want to jump in really quick because my parents will listen to this. I go to Burning Man. I have engaged in that. and I. There are some people that do it as a party drug there, and there are a shit ton of people that do it there with intention. So again, it's just like so individualized. Absolutely, I. I but the, the, it's accessible to anyone. So it's then like empowering you to make the choice. Like we are, you have the power to choose what you're going to use it for, and hopefully that's being used for good. And and you know if if you're taking it to party, you probably had a really good time, and I, there's no judgment. <laughs> there's no judgment for me. I just as a mother of a toddler with grandparents listening. And it's important for me in my life to explain exactly what I'm doing to educate, right? Like I, I'm not, I'm not partying when I take a microdose. The act of taking a microdose is a sub perceptual dose of a drug. So you're not feeling the effects of this drug, right? Like I'm not tripping. I'm not tripping and driving my kid to school. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could go to a party on a microdose. Like I wrote my ebooks microdosing. Like you're not in that place at all. <laughs> no, not, you don't anything. Now, like the very first time I microdosed, I was on um I was at Zion and I took a we took a hike into a waterfall and I definitely felt it. And she told me my uh, my girl who doses me out for the month, she told me the first time you're probably going to feel something. And I did. I almost felt like I wanted to grow up a little bit. And that was it. But then I felt great. Right. And Which I, is common with mushrooms, the the nauseous. Day. Yeah. Feeling. And that was yeah. actually the only time I'd ever felt that. And even when there was one time where I accidentally took one without eating much breakfast, I was in a rush mm. and I just took like a half a banana. And that day, I would say I had a very low level. I, I could feel what was going on. I mean, I had a fantastic day. I won't lie. <laughs> <laughs> but I did feel it that day. In normal days, I don't feel it. And I think that's what that in that area is where people get confused. People are like, whoa, you're taking, you know, you're microdosing mushrooms. What does that mean? And they're not understanding that that dose is so small. It's like 0. 0.5, 0. 0.5. And then, I think a therapeutic dose is more in the range of five, five. So like, we're talking very big difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like we take vitamins and supplements that are probably having more of an effect in that right. way well, that we don't even realize. Yeah. Right. When you're getting into the nootropic space, I mean, you're, you're altering, you know, you're altering your body. This is what's happening. This is you're altering your brain. They're almost in the same class, right? Like Paul Stamets says it should be considered a nootropic, but nootropics are on shelves. Like they're being sold and marketed already. And I hope that Alex are so far behind. I, I mean, I hope mushrooms get there. I, I actually have used his, his stack for microdosing. I don't know if you've tried this, but the, the niacin and lion's mane. So I didn't care for the niacin, but I do. <laughs> Stack mine with lion's mane, which I think is really helpful. Um, I know Ben Greenfield is big on that combination, but I'm with you. The niacin flush, I'm always like, whoo. Not really. <laughs> I, I think I get enough in my diet that I don't really need to. And maybe that's why I'm not sure. I just did it a couple of times and was like, yeah, not for me. Not, not happy yeah. today. But I guess I could speak a little bit to my experience with it. So gosh, if I met you a year ago, 
Melissa, can I do like a timeout for like psychedelics 101? I know I'm really not sure where our listeners are in this space, like what they know. Psilocybin, mushrooms, psychedelics, are these all the same? No. So there's (laughs) there's different classes of psychedelics, right? There's LSD, there's different things. We're talking specifically about mushrooms. So that is psilocybin. Um, That is the active compound in mushrooms. Now, that's the only thing I've done. So that's my experience with it. Um, I've not ever taken any other psychedelics. Um, No, I have taken MDMA, but I don't think that's considered in the same class here. I think it is actually. They are considering it. Yeah, I think it's in the same class of drugs, but okay. I think it's the the three. Well, actually, there's four: LSD, M- yeah, MDMA, ketamine. The yeah. list continues, right? Okay. <laughs> well, um, but LSD and psilocybin are the top two for sure. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I've not done LSD in a manner of microdosing, so I have experienced that when I was very young, and it was awful. Um, <laughs> anyways, psilocybin, your gut actually transforms that compound to psilocin. And this compound actually works with the serotonin system of the brain. Um, We know serotonin is an important brain chemical, right? That modulates a range of different psychological functions, mood especially, but also cognitive and states of consciousness. So I believe that the compound is specifically working on stimulating the, I believe it's called serotonin 2A receptor. And that is involved with plastic, like adaptability, flexibility, plasticity. So in this area is where it gets a little bit, I mean, it's a little bit sciencey, right? And I had to kind of like write down some notes to remember, but basically it's shutting down the default mode network in the brain, which you can also basically say is shutting off your, your ego. Mm-hmm. So what you find in microdosing is, you are, or full dosing is really, you see like probably pretty substantial benefits right away, which I was just a little bit too chicken to do. <laughs> so as I went my microdosing route, you're going to see much more, you know, dramatic effects in that. Like I, you know, you hear of people losing their ego in a single, do- single dose and that lasting, I uh, believe like sometimes a lifetime, right? A lot of people refer to studies that have been done where they show effects for six to eight months afterwards, the same as if they just took the dose. With microdosing, you're going to see like all the same effects. It's just over a period of time. So I dramatic, right. I've been microdosing for, I really think a year and a half. But like I said before, with my experience specifically, I was doing all of these other therapies, right? Like there's, there's so many things I was throwing at the fence. It was really hard to find. There's so many variables. It's really hard to find out what what was working, what wasn't. So I did periods of getting off dosing and then going back on and trying to, you know, create my own scientific study with myself. What in, in keeping a journal and deciding like what days I felt good and what, you know, what, what was the psilocybin and what was me? Hmm. Um, Were you able to quantify it or was it just the journaling and more like physiological symptoms? I, I think, I, how do I answer that? I can I can answer it by saying I believe that microdosing changed significantly changed my outlook and perception of life. I think yeah. that um, on days that I dosed, right, like 
I wasn't singing. There, there's no kaleidoscope. I wasn't singing naked from trees. <laughs> but I noticed like beauty in the world where for a while I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't able to stop and smell the roses, so to speak. And it's not like the roses are glowing and, you know, you're like, wow, look at all these amazing colors. It's just like, wow, that's a really beautiful that that rose is able to grow there. And that's not mm-hmm. something that I would typically stop and notice because I'm busy, right? I've got five messages on Instagram. I'm worried about my kid. I'm doing this and that. I'm not worried about this stuff. And it sounds so simplistic, but truly it's not. When you're microdosing, uh, you're not doing it every day. You're doing it every fourth day. I know that there's some people that do it differently and I did it every fourth day. So the first day you feel the effects. The second day you feel half the effects. The third day it's flushed from your system. So then you would microdose the fourth day again. Mm-hmm. And I found myself really looking forward to the fourth day, right? That fourth <laughs> day, I knew I was going to just love life. I was just going to listen to more music. I felt like I got into flow a lot easier. Life just seemed to be pretty magical. In conjunction with microdosing, I will say that I did develop a practice that my therapist, uh, shout out, <laughs> the holistic ther- psychologist, um, had me do it as a practice of future self journaling. So it's just, you know, sitting down with a journal every day and writing as if you are your future self. So who you want to be in the world. So I am proud. I am confident. I am not nervous to talk in this podcast. I am thinking <laughs> with intention and, and, you know, knowledge and, and writing that down every day in conjunction with microdosing. You're really, you are creating, I mean, our science is showing us that we are creating new neural pathways in the brain. That's what the drug is doing. So you are, you are changing your brain. You are changing your outlook, your perception of life. I, I also kept a gratitude journal, which we know the work there, what that actually does for the brain. Um, so I did all of those things and I did kind of, it, this isn't toxic positivity, right? This is just literally changing the way I perceive and interact with the world because I now have a more positive outlook. I feel more gratitude and I notice the beauty in the world. Things I don't think I could have ever done on an SSRI because with that, what's it doing? It's depleting my serotonin. It's not It's not acting as serotonin because I don't know if I mentioned, but the psilocin that you're, the psilocybin is turned into psilocin in the gut, right? That compound is almost exact chemical makeup of serotonin. Mm -hmm. So without depleting your own serotonin, you're just basically getting a boost of serotonin. Now with an SSRI, you're talking about depleting your serotonin, your dopamine, as well as other uh, developing other nutritional deficiencies, which range from, you know, antidepressant to antidepressant. So you're not getting any of that. So also makes you need more and more over time. Right. Yeah. Over time and can cause serious psychological effects. And you may need to take them for the rest of your life after that. And I'm not, you know, it's important for me to just say that I'm not saying anybody should just get off their SSRI. You know, I had permission from my doctor and support of my family to do that. And it was done carefully, Uh, although I was not on a high dose and I was not on for very long. So especially being an FNTP, I have to be careful not to tell everybody, you know, go out and microdose. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just sharing my personal experience. And I hope that people, you know, 
change their outlook on on mental health and and just being an advocate for your own health, right? That's what biohacking is. That's what this exactly. is. Where you have to advocate, no, because nobody cares. <clears throat> your doctor, as well intended as he may be, he doesn't care. He doesn't. He doesn't want to know where your rash came from. He wants <laughs> to give you something to make it go away. So if you're not looking for your root cause, who is? I mean, I am if you hire me as TV. Who's really looking? You know, you have to advocate for yourself. I, again, probably on a tangent, but. No, and I think that's, that's super important. Anytime we talk about medications, if you want to get off of them, you have, you have to work with your doctor. Like this is a serious thing. To yeah. Get off of medication. And, and yeah. The thing, you know, one of the things to point out about antidepressants is you get off and they'll warn you, they'll warn you, you know, you're going to get off and you're going to, you're going to go back to this, this previous mental state. And what people, what the studies actually show us is that you're, you're actually experiencing a withdrawal. You're experiencing withdrawal mm-hmm. of drug. You're not experiencing any any, you know, oh, I was broken. I had a chemical imbalance and this drug, this wonder drug saved my life. No, that's not what you're experiencing. It's not a, a return to your previous broken self. It's, it's a withdrawal. It's a serious withdrawal from a very serious drug. And yeah. the, you know, the variations in the drugs change your side effects. I, you know, we spoke earlier about going into your doctor and, and having a very brief conversation about what drug um, based off some symptoms that you're having, I went in and specifically asked for Lexapro because I have a girlfriend who is a um, pharmacist, and I asked her what's the least, you know, side effect drug that I can easily wean off of that has the most benefits, whatever. And so I went in and specifically asked for it. There wasn't much of an exchange of anything. I wrote, wow. I was written a script, and I left. And wow. that in itself should terrify people. I believe. Yeah. The statistic is, yeah. I think over 50% of people who are prescribed any drug have done so because they saw it on a TV commercial. Which uh, is a whole nother thing. You know, the US and Australia, or New Zealand, I believe, are the only countries, continent, that can even have drug commercials on TV. Right. It's uh, it's terrifying. I mean, yeah, it, and they, they just whisk over those risks, don't they? They just, that's what I don't get because those risks at the end really get me. I'm terrified. Like it gives me anxiety hearing that. I'm like, I could never, I do not understand what goes through people's brains that no. makes them go, oh, that doesn't matter. Or yeah, no, I won't get that. The risks are so small, right? Yeah. Oh gosh. It's like death, depression. Cancer. I actually start oh laughing. I start yeah. laughing when I hear a commercial. I'm like, that's so ridiculous. I know, but other people see it and they say, oh, but that. look, that girl, that woman is, She's so happy. Yeah. See that she's now fat, depressed, and can't have sex because she's got no sex drive. They don't see, they're not looking. That's the visual they show you is the power of advertising. Yeah, this is actually going to happen to you. You're going to be happy. You're not going to be happy. You're going to be numb and you're not going to have any sex drive and you're going to gain weight. Mm -hmm. And your health is going to decline. You're probably going to have inflammation. You're going to have a range of nutritional deficiencies that your health is going to start declining. And good luck. And yeah. at some point, we're going to probably have to put you on another drug. And then so goes the domino effect. Your health. Right, drug after drug. Yeah, I have to say, I'm I'm really lucky. When I was, I think, like 12 years old, my parents took me to, I don't remember if it was a psychiatrist, something like that, because I had an eating disorder. And 
within five minutes, they'd written me a script for an antidepressant. This is what she needs. Yeah. Bye. Fortunately, my parents knew at the time, like, no, that's not an option. <laughs> so I never went down that path. But it, I like within five minutes, that was the answer. Yeah, and, and this happens so much in, in even with nutritional therapy. So in nutritional therapy, I, I specifically, my space is really just mental health. I really want to help people find what their deficiencies are and work with them there, meet them where they are, and they can work with their doctor along with me to help them get off their SSRIs if that's what, you know, we can do with their yeah. doctor. But I mean, so do many- you test, do you test like uh, nutrients, neurotransmitters, like what kind of testing so do you I do for that? I don't actually, I'm not able to, I don't have that credential yet to actually do any blood work and test neurotransmitters, but I do like, I don't know if you've heard of like Chapman reflexes. So I'm in there feeling like palpation points to feel for inflammation, oh, okay. congestion. Yeah, yeah. And alongside very, like a, a very long questionnaire, I can kind of, I can really pinpoint what's going on, the area of digestion that there's dysfunction, the blood sugar imbalances, and then we we support the body there. So very, I mean, very typical is somebody's going to have a poor digestion and they're going to go to the doctor and the doctor's going to write them a script for something which will deplete their B12. And we know that B12 is linked to depression. We know that it causes not just serious depression, but like psych, psychotic depression. People hearing sounds, yeah. seeing people, right? From B12. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, yeah, now linked to dementia and Alzheimer's, which is why like proton pump inhibitors, right? Like you said, deplete B12. That's mm-hmm. that's where the link is coming into dementia. The and B12. then they're treating those people with antidepressants. <laughs> when all along, honestly, they just, they, they probably, what, something as simple as didn't have enough stomach acid to break down their food. Right. So mm-hmm. their small intestines inflamed, then their large intestines. So now they have all these digestion problems when really if I could have just given them some HCL. and Would have been much easier. Right, right. Just something simple. It's a dietary, you know, a dietary change or a lifestyle change, right? Because even with depression is the one that, you know, I talk about a lot. But even with anxiety, I think that depression, anxiety, all mental illness, we really need to ask ourselves why. What's going on? What's my body telling me? My body's saying something. Our bodies are so wise, right? <laughs> they are, they're oh, yeah. communicating yeah. with us all the time. It's telling you. It's screaming at you. You don't have a rash for no reason. There's a reason you have a rash. The question should be why. Not how can I cover it up? A very common one is like the bumps on the back of the arms. You know, I've had friends tell me, oh, I have it. But, I, you know, it's just, it's cosmetic. So I just put something, you know, a cream. And I'm all better. And it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> your your body is screaming at you that there's something wrong. Yeah. This and you just crazy. shut it down. Yeah. You awesome. just shut that down. And that's, I think for whatever reason, that's the mindset that we have is, you know, there's a pill out there, there's a cream and it's going to go away. And I was just born this way. And there's not a lot of value in our innate wisdom and our body's innate wisdom. And I think that's kind of where, um, I never want to say I'm a lifestyle coach because I just feel like it sounds so woo and silly, but that's kind of where the other side of uh, nutritional therapy comes in is really, I really try to focus with people on, on trusting themselves and advocating for their own health and, and listening to their body, listening to what it's telling them. How do you Mm -hmm. feel, right? Like, how do you feel doing what you're doing? Does it make you feel good? How do you feel mentally? Check in with yourself, meditate. I think meditation has been one of the most profound practices 
that I've ever introduced in my life. And I think that once we get to a point where we're asking ourselves why and and looking at our body as this beautiful organism that it is and trusting it, I think we can get away from pharmaceutical drugs. For the most part, most people, I believe, can get away from pharmaceutical drugs if they want to. But the mindset has to be there. The work has to be there. You've got to get away from this mindset of I'm going to take a pill and it's all going to go away. Mm -hmm. I mean, microdosing is taking something, right? But if it's done with intention, it's work. Yeah, it's work. I mean, it's not, there's no, there's no biological free lunch. I'm not taking a pill and going to have a glorious life. That's not what I've done. I've done it with intention and it was work and it was hard. You know, it's, it's hard to do that work because when you're meditating, it's not pleasant. When you're journaling, it's not all, all of this stuff isn't pleasant every day. And it's not like you're always slipping through a field of flowers. You know, a lot of this is, is hard work. But you're moving so, forward always. Yeah. And growing. A pill, yeah. A pill takes you backwards. You've created such a responsible and beautiful practice. I think that's really powerful mm-hmm. and empowering to other people. I'm mm-hmm. so happy for you to spread this story. Yeah. Well, in the middle of all this, I decided to, you know, go ahead and get some credentials. So that's why I, <laughs> I went ahead and got um, with the NTA. I'd had a, a girlfriend who was a nutritional therapy practitioner. Um, she actually works alongside or used to with uh, Diane Sanfilippo. So I, the, the little connections that we make in the, the nutrition world are just funny to me. So that's what brought me to you. And um, yeah, so that's what you know, I decided finally, like, all right, I'm going to go into this program. And that of an, that itself was very therapeutic. Just that, you know, that nutritional therapy program was very therapeutic, learning so much about my own body and how I can help other people. So, and yeah, and that, that, I mean, all of this kind of became my why, became my why of what I do and why I'm so passionate. And when my little bio, when it says a passionate wellness educator, that really stems from my first question of what is healthy? What is healthy? Is it vegan? Is it paleo? What is it? And now, like nine years later, it's, it's just completely bio-individual. It really has to be. Everyone is so different. What works for me doesn't work for you. And that includes mental health. And I think it's important that we have this conversation because I think it's important that people know that there are other things that they can do out there, not just go to the doctor and get a script, right? Like not just, just be positive. (laughs) happiness. Just be happy. It's so easy. You can do it. (laughs) Just smile. It'll go away. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Melissa, you are so passionate. I mean, I'm sure the listeners can hear it in your voice, but we we see Melissa on camera right now. And I mean, she's just full of energy. I'm sure we could talk for like days about this. I, I love how passionate you are. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, such an amazing story. I think it's been really educational and empowering. I hope that this makes our audience go out and do more research and, more research. and ask these questions. Yeah, uh, We always like to ask at the end of our podcast, if you could give our audience just one piece of advice about something that they could start doing today to go down this path that you've gone on or just, you know, any kind of inspiration or sure. um, whatever why? you want to share. Yeah, ask yourself why. Why do you have a rash? Why do you not feel good? Why do you feel sad when you think about that thing? Or why does that person trigger you? What is it about that 
thing or that situation that's triggering you? What, just why? Always ask why. Amazing. So easy. (laughs) You're amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. So if people want to learn more about you or get in touch with you or possibly work with you, how? Tell Uh, us everything. Sure. So you can go to Instagram, Wellness Witch. Um, and I think there's a, the period wellness period switch, and then um, the wellness switch. <laughs> I love it. The and we'll put switch. we'll put that in the show notes so it's easy yeah, to. Yeah, and then um, my website is actually under construction, but it'll be your wellness switch um, at live. So awesome! Yeah, we'll put all that in there so you guys can check it. Out. Absolutely. There, yeah, cool. we'll share awesome. everything. Awesome, guys! Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully, I'll figure out a way to do it again. Yes, definitely. Awesome. We love you. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Biohacker Babes. We will see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Biohacking.